This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Plus 7 o'clock, Rangers pregame. It's the Rangers world, and we're all just living in it right now. But, of course, you can find me uh, on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. You can find me uh, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. You can find me on TikTok, at Old Man Radio, but most importantly, Right here, next four hours until the Rangers pregame, then Rangers-Devils game three. And, and coming up 3.30, hoping to talk with uh, Don LaGreca, get a little lowdown on uh, the details of that series, which I kept reading because, again, I'm not a hockey guy, but I like to do my research. I like to be prepared for the shows. We're coming on, Larry and I, after Ranger games sometimes. And I was reading before the series, you know, this is not going to be a walk in the park for the Rangers. Again, I'm not the hockey guy, but it certainly has seemed like a walk in the park for the Rangers so far. So we'll get some details with Don uh, coming up, hopefully 3.30. Uh, But let's open up with the Knicks. Uh, We'll talk some Yankees coming up. We'll keep an eye on uh, the Nets who have to be able to win this game. It's funny. You go into certain situations and ahead of time you preview it and you say you, you try to find definitive statements of fact. This team must do this. This team cannot do that. And before the series with the Sixers, I said, well, look, the Nets have already had a successful season. They're not going to beat the Sixers. They're not going to come close to beating the Sixers in the series. If they get a win in the series, that's more than enough after the season that they've gone through. You get into the playoffs. That's an accomplishment, making it as the sixth seed. You're playing a playoff series. No harm, no foul. Whatever happens from this point forward, they're fine. It's not, it's not an embarrassment. It's not a failure. They've already had a successful season. You would like to be able to get it to a point where the Nets put a little pressure on the Sixers because you want to see how the Sixers react. Sixers, not exactly uh, a long list of uh, successful challenges against, against pressure, right, in, in, in the uh, franchise's history here recently anyway. You'd like to be able to put just a little, just to see what happens to the Sixers. Do they respond? Do they crack under the pressure? Uh, but no, the Nets don't have to win a game. They've already had a successful season. But then you get game three, you get no Embiid. You're playing at home of your Brooklyn. You've, you, are in comp- you could have stole game three if you didn't completely melt down at the end. And then now game four certainly looks like it's going the way of the sweep because it's been a close game throughout the fourth quarter. Much like other fourth quarters, Sixers starting to pull away up 81 uh, to 74. So we'll keep an eye on that. But let's talk about the Knicks last night. Of course, after game two, Knicks-Cavs series, we were, I'll be honest, I'll, I was worried. I was worried after game two. And, and keep in mind, I never once thought that the Knicks were going to win game two. Never. You got game one, you stole game one, you accomplished your mission. Go out, game, play game two, get back to the garden with a series 1-1, and take it from there. And I never thought that they were going to win game two because with the Knicks, it's never, e- never going to be easy. Knicks fans know that. It's never going to be easy. But even without ever thinking they were going to win game two, game two was alarming because game two felt very similar to two years ago, and that's the one thing that they had to avoid in this series. To me, Knicks don't have to win this series to have a successful year, all those type of things we've laid out already. It doesn't matter if you lose to Donovan Mitchell, but you, can, you have to be able to show me some concrete progress, and you can't be losing in five games. You can't be getting exposed. You can't be getting embarrassed. You can't look like a fraud. And in game two, they, you know, it felt like they were getting exposed. It certainly they felt, it felt like it was embarrassing. 
That was a, a, an embarrassing performance. So last night was huge, and it was essentially a must-win. Not just because you want to be up in the series, not just because it's taking place on your home court, but if you had lost last night, that would be three games in a row against the Cavs where you've not really played your best game. Now, you, you stole game one on the road. That's important. You made enough plays down the stretch to be able to pull that one off. But after getting, you know, really hammered in game two, you needed to show last night that you were going to put the foot down. How do you respond? Cavaliers had to respond after game one. Knicks had to respond after game two. And the Knicks certainly responded last night. 99-79. The Garden was electric. And I not only think it impacted the Cavaliers, who got swallowed up by the moment, it clearly impacted the Knicks. Took them a while. I mean, they could not throw it in the ocean early on. And even for a team that plays its home games in the Garden, it did not really seem like um, that they were prepared for the intensity of the moment or, or they were almost too intense, like they were too jumpy. It took them a little while uh, to calm down. And going into any game, you don't know what to expect. Is it going to go this way? Is it going to go that way? Out of all the, the range of scenarios that that game could have went last night, I don't know that many were predicting that R.J. Barrett would be the one to kind of save the Knicks early on. And I, I did not see that one coming, but that's exactly what happened. Had 10 points in that opening quarter. And in that opening quarter, in that opening half, 10 points was like 40, man. That was like, a, that was like dog years in terms of points. So he finishes with 19 for the game. And for, for RJ, it's more than just the box score. It's more than, than the reaction of that, that three that he hit in the first quarter. He finally, he, he looked aggressive. He looked decisive. He was not wishy-washy. He was not just floating through the game, which it looks like, you know, games one and two for sure. And for a good stretch of the season, he's kind of been, he's not been decisive. He's not been aggressive. And it was not just on offense. It was the rebounds. It was the defense. And that was what you needed to see out of him last night. And that's what you needed to see from the Knicks last night. So another game like that will make you feel a whole lot better of your propositions going forward. Because this, even though it's three games in the series, each game has been so different. And with R.J. Barrett, he was a difference maker last night in that game. Uh, and I don't know that I, I don't know that many people would have expected that he was going to be a difference maker. Now, that's great that he was able to do that. One of the issues with RJ this year has not just been about uh, production; it's been about consistency. So can he, can he back this up now? Is this now he has found his shot? That he's found his game. He he can, he can, um, he can find where he fits in in this offense and and overall on the team. Because that was the that's the kind of and again you know 19 points you don't look at that and go oh my god yeah he, he, he had 19 but that was big and that's what you're looking for especially after the way he looked first two games of the series but really overall in the course of the year he has not looked like you came into this year hoping that R.J. Barrett was going to take that next step forward that's what he's done the first couple of years of his career and he did not take a step forward he took a step back and even when he did take. Uh, some steps forward or find a little bit uh, of progress, it was it was fleeting. He's been very inconsistent. He's been very inefficient throughout the season. So a uh, huge performance by him last night. And he's had bigger games. You know, he's had better games in terms of overall numbers, but that was as big a performance. Uh, you needed that, and he needs to be part of it moving forward because, again, Randall has not looked like Randall. I thought quickly was better last night. Now you got the Grimes injury to juggle. 
So RJ has not been able to find that consistency all year. If he is able to find, if that's not just a fleeting one-game performance, if he doesn't go back in game four to the way he looks in game one and two, the Knicks have to feel really good about where they're at. Because the other thing last night, and maybe this is something that the Cavs are going to have to attack in game four, they absolutely choked last night. The Cavs have done a ton of talking in this series so far. After the Knicks stole game one, they talked a lot. They did a lot of talking after they won game two. But, man, actions speak louder than words, and they were embarrassing last night. Their performance was embarrassing last night. It might have been the most embarrassing performance of the playoffs so far. I mean, talk about not being able to throw it in the ocean. And talk about having some opening jitters of the first few minutes. Okay, that's, you know, the garden is an intimidating place. I get it. And and the, and the crowd was 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 ready to go last night from, from opening tip. But you would like to think at some point you start to find your game. I mean, Darius Garland was embarrassing. They took four, The Cavs took 43s last night and hit seven of them. And... And it wasn't like it was just, oh, they just couldn't hit anything. They couldn't hit anything. They were like 50% from the foul line. Nobody scored under 80 points in a game this year. They had 79. Uh, they got completely overwhelmed by the environment. So it goes back to what we were talking about before. It's about response. Knicks, respond, Knicks came in, got game one. Cavaliers responded in game two. Knicks come back home, respond after their bad performance in game two and, and get a win. And now the, all the pressure is on Cleveland in, in game number four. And how do the Knicks back that up? Do they go back to where they looked in game two? Or do they now, have they kindly got, gotten their footing and, and found a little bit here? Because it's, it's not exactly been consistent. Their best players, the Knicks, have not played their best overall. Randall has still not played his best game. I thought quickly was better last night, but still looking for more from him and, and more like how he finished down the stretch of the regular season. But you have to like where the Knicks are sitting right now at facing a must-win game, and they absolutely responded. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll hear from some of the Knicks from last night. We'll get your phone calls involved. Lots of stuff to do. Just getting started on a Saturday afternoon. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show. On 98.7 ESPN. And um, look, uh, at some point, Julius Randle is going to have to kind of show up. And I get it. it maybe it's still partly the, the ankle. And, and he doesn't have to do it all like he did two years ago, or at least to try to do it all. But um, you, you're going to need to get more out of him. And, and last night, that's how you know the Knicks' performance was uh, strong, was that Randall put up 11 points on 3 of 15 shooting, and that's not really anywhere close to the focus. So, uh, but you got to get him locked in here as well. Um, you're, you're hoping that Grimes is going to be okay. I've not seen an update on him as of yet. I thought Quickly was better last night, certainly more efficient than he has been in the first two games, so things pointing in the right direction for the Knicks, but you see that these, these series are independent upon, upon themselves. Just because one thing happened in this game doesn't mean that it's going to happen in the next game. It almost, it almost means that it won't happen in the next game because now the pressure is on the, the opposing team. Uh, whoever lost the previous game, they got to step up, right? Cavaliers can't fall down 3-1 in this series when – this this is supposed to be their series. This is I think that most people thought it was going to be a close series, but this is the pressure is on the Cavaliers to win this series. They're they're the team that made the trade for Donovan Mitchell. 
They're the team that was better during the course of the regular season. They had the home court. They are the better defensive team. So now all the pressure shifts back to Cleveland, who uh, won 51 games in the regular season. And if they don't make the second round of the playoffs, that is a major disappointment for them. All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. We'll start things off with Robbie in Massachusetts. Robbie, first up on uh, the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, Gordon, nice to talk to you. Nice to be on first. Hey, uh, I figured I'd give you a call since watching the Yankees like watching the Yankees drive. I mean, I, honestly, can, can you please explain to me this? Okay, with all the injuries that are going on, right, with this team so far, right, okay, why is DJ LeMay sitting on his rear end when they're paying him how much money? Like, what, $26 million a year or whatever it is? Uh, no, why it's not that much. Sitting, whatever it is, why is he sitting today when you are to have a depleted lineup? Who the hell is Willie Calhoun? I mean, this is what you get for $260 plus million. You get Aaron Hicks, Willie Calhoun, Frenchie Cordero, IKF. I mean, this team has sucked all this money into like four or five players. And, and people want, want, want to know why I get, why I get aggravated about, about the Yankees and the organization. And it's nice to see the kids play. I'm glad the kids are playing, and it's fine. So I guess I, guess I could take the attitude of like, well, maybe we just want to see the kids play. And if they don't, you know, have a successful year in terms of, you know, getting close to the series again, what's better? Is it better to develop players at the minor league level now and develop them and bring them up? I mean, wouldn't you rather do see Jason Dominguez than see Willie Calhoun? I mean, is, is he going to hit any better than Willie Calhoun can, honestly? I mean, well, I mean, I don't think that Dominguez you know. is ready for the majors, and he is right. a, you know, a big-time prospect. You don't want to rush him and, and, and hurt his development in the process. But, look, the, the reason right. why they're going with these kids is because they screwed it up, uh, right? I mean, it's not like yeah. they, have a, they, they have no other options, right? You mentioned right. it about Hicks right. and, and IKF and all these guys. Right. Uh, if they had better options, they would be playing him. It's not like they all of a sudden just decided to turn this thing off. I mean, I guess in the case of um, – Volpe, they did save that spot for him. But Cabrera and Peraza and all these guys, they're playing him because they have no other options. Yeah, and, Vol- and Vol- you know, Volpe, we should teach Volpe how to bump the two guys on. I was loving the stolen bases. But when the guy's hitting 188, teach this kid how to bump with two guys on with second third. Anyway, about the Knicks last night, you know, Gordon, I'll tell you honestly, it's it's really tough to watch. Well, maybe Volpe just hit a home run. How about this one, Gordon? See you. Good well, I got direct TV, so now you're spoiling it for me, Robbie. I'm going to find that out in about a half hour from now. Come on, don't ruin it for me. Really sorry. Anyway, um, what I was going to say about the Knicks, it, it's you know, Brunson has been really good, and I think Josh has been terrific. I'm glad he's back, and it's you know, it's exciting to see the team winning again. Obviously, I've been a Knicks fan since 1973. I got to tell you, Gordon, it's, it's really tough for me to watch the NBA. I mean, all, all you see is one-on-one basketball with four guys standing around with, with, that, with, with countless three-pointers. And none of the announcers ever, ever say this. Nobody ever says, that's a bad shot, or this is a bad shot. It's like, why in the world has basketball turned into such a force? Nobody posts. How come nobody posts anymore? I mean, why don't we see a guy with his back to the basket? How come a guy like Obi Tup and can't develop a little baby jump shot with his back to the basket? How come these guys can't post? All you do is see guys taking shots from the outside, or either that, or it's just one-on-one basketball. Like, what is why is basketball turned into such? Why is it turned into such a farce? The NBA. Why? Why, why is it played the correct way with intelligence? I mean, when I was a kid, if you took a shot all the time from twenty-five feet, people, the coach would walk up and say, "Why the hell are you doing this? That's a stupid play." I mean, well, look, I, Robbie, I, the the, the yeah. three-point shot has completely revolutionized everything. Uh, and I thought that, and thanks for the phone call, I thought Jeff Van Gundy brought up a good point last night when, when Darius Garland was, was chucking up brick after brick. 
You know, hyper, uh, you know, threes are a good shot because three is worth more than two. But you know what else is a good shot? Uh, going to the foul line, driving to the basket. You, you can try uh, separate things uh, when, when the shots are not falling. And, and yeah, I mean, the, the Cavaliers last night, they were brutal. Uh, they could not. And I want, you know, watching it early on, it felt like that the building definitely had a major impact, right? You're coming into this environment that's, that's loud and electric and all that type of stuff. But at some point, you would think that they would start to, to kind of get their sea legs, and they never really did. So uh, I hope that this is the case. You know, I saw a lot of reports of, you know, the Knicks, def- the Knicks turned up the screws on the defense. And look, their defense was good. But Garland, certainly, he had a lot of open shots that he just flat out missed. The, the Cavs as a team had a lot of open shots and missed badly. I mean, you had even Donovan Mitchell had that one. I think it was a three that he took. And it was like, I think it was an air ball. And even he afterwards, like, put on a face like, oof, that was bad. So, I don't know. The fact that they were this bad in game three does not mean that they're going to be this bad in game four. And it almost certainly means the opposite, that they are going to be better in game four. So hope for the Knicks case that they are a little bit better as well um, and can adjust uh, quickly in the course of uh, the, the, the opening quarter so that it's not so, um, so tough to score. You've had a little taste of it now and, and you're on your home court. So, if the, you know, this is the difference of, of is this series going to be going six or seven or could this be a little bit – could this be a little easier for the Knicks than, than maybe we thought? Because I did not think the Knicks were going to win this series – I've been impressed by what they were able to do last night in game one. Uh, and it does kind of feel like that the gap – I thought that the gap in terms of talent was greater than what it's shown so far. Uh, now it starts to feel like, you know, maybe – I'm starting to be convinced. I'm starting to be convinced. Spike is in St. Pete. Spike, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Well, I just saw a home run, finally. Yeah, you it just it? came through. Just came through on the, on the, uh, on the ticker tape. I just got it also. I'm happy for that kid. All right, let me let me uh, agree with you, which I normally do. Uh, and Robbie, uh, he's a, a hockey guy, great caller. If you don't like basketball, I he doesn't like that. I think that that's really what it comes down to. He likes and and look, when you get older, I get it. You're stuck in your ways. Robbie is very stuck in his ways. He does not like the no. modern NBA. Listen, he's been calling almost as long as I am. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I'm not thrilled with the three-point shot, but what I'm thrilled at is being so wrong. As much as you and I and Larry, I always repeat myself because it's my tendencies and people in the car, they put it on, maybe they don't know. They should know you and I by now. But the bottom line is that first quarter was so different. You don't talk about not liking basketball. Oof. That uh, yeah, first was quarter rough. was I get it. Re- was root canal without any Novocaine. I'm telling you, Gordon, and you know how much I love it and you love it, but the Knicks showed one thing last night, that when they saw Darius Garland get inserted into the starting lineup, which took, which, uh, uh, Karis LeVert, rather, get inserted into the starting lineup from a very, very weak bench. I don't think, I only think one guy in the bench scored last night, or maybe two. That set the tone, and Bickerstaff is a younger coach, remember his pop, and to keep him in that game was an egregious error. Now, I was very, very happy, as I'm sure Larry and you were for R.J. Barrett. We like the kid, but you see, you get tired of saying he's 22, but he's been in the year for four years, and he's hardly missed any games. And I was happy for him. He did what he does best. But Mitchell Robinson had a terrific game. And Jalen Brunson 
scored points in the paint like a ballerina almost, keeping that pivot foot down. And they crashed the boards. They out-rebounded them. They kept the turnovers down. And Cleveland, I said this this morning to Dan, he refuted it for one year, but Cleveland does not shoot as well. It's minuscule this year on the road as they do at home. Allen brought that up. So you saw them just wilter, you know? You saw them wiltering, and the Knicks stomped them out last night. Now, the Knicks didn't have a good offensive game, but they improved their three-ball percentage from 24 to 27% to 30%. That's some improvement. And Randall tried. Look, he couldn't shoot. He maybe hobbles. But Hart looked back to normal, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and quickly improved his game. But bench players, so to speak, again, because he starts a lot, play better at home. And I thought Grimes' shoulder, the latest report is uh, he's got a shoulder issue. We'll see. That remains to be seen. He looks a little overwhelmed with the whole thing. But we have a young team, and I think you're 100% correct again. I think that the, the, the comparison of the two teams, I think the talent is better on the starting five in Cleveland, but their bench is really, really weak. And also, I thought Mobley played pretty well. And, and Allen, you know, we held our own under the boards, Gordon. I mean, Mitchell Robinson played a terrific game. Absolutely. So, let's see. Tomorrow night, tomorrow afternoon, it's a day-and-a-half turnaround. Both teams have the same issue. They're both probably sore as hell because I saw about 30 guys hit the floor in that game. And they look like the Keystone Cops had sent the quarter a couple of times. They look totally like a high school team, but the Knicks finally gathered themselves. That crowd had to help them last night. So I'm thrilled with pulling out that game. Yeah, no, I mean, you have to be. I mean, that was a must win. And, Spike, thanks for the phone call. You, you had to get that game because if you lose that game, not only you're down 2-1 in the series, but you know all the stories are going to be swirled. Oh, here go, here go the Knicks again, right? Oh, it's just like the, the Hawks series two years ago. And I don't know how you would have lost the game, but it, it would almost certainly have been three straight games now in the series where you've not really looked your best. Now, there's aspects of the Knicks that have not looked their best. Randall still needs to, to step up. Uh, you'd like to see some other guys step up as well and be a little bit more consistent. But that's what R.J. Barrett's performance gave you when you had nothing really going on. And, man, they had nothing going on. They were as bad as the Cavs in that opening quarter, even with R.J. Barrett. Um, they, they were tied after one. But what was it, two for 17 or two for 19 the rest of the Knicks were? So R.J. Barrett's performance, hopefully that's a sign uh, of things. I'm not ready to, to jump on that bandwagon. I, I know if the Knicks have uh, a good performance from Barrett – Next time out, they'll they'll be signing one of those giant cards in front of the garden like when players retire. We apologize. We're so sorry for doubting. I'm not ready to, to say that Barrett is, is, is locked in now and I know what to expect from him moving forward, but it was good to see and it was, you, you needed it last night. He delivered when you needed it. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, we'll talk a little Rangers hockey. We'll talk with Don LaGreca. That's next on the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM ESPN New York, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Nets lose, so they're swept out in the first round. That's a that's a bad loss. Hey, look, coming in, you didn't really expect them to give much against the Sixers, but when Embiid's out, you got to at least win a game at home. They lose 96-88. Yankees and Blue Jays now tied at two as uh, the Jays took uh, Wandy Peralta deep. 
But look, there's nothing better than playoff hockey. There's nothing better than talking some playoff hockey with our next guest, who is, of course, Don LaGreca, who's nice enough to give us a couple of minutes. He's going to be calling the pre- and post-game for the Rangers game three night. Don, what's going on, my man? How are you? Now, are you flattered or uh, upset at the fact that any time I hear the band Cake, I think of you? Oh, that's a that's a flattering statement. Okay, good. I yeah. wanted I wanted that's how I thought of it. Yeah, no, that's one of my favorite bands of all time. So uh, that's why. All right. Um, well, look. Um, all look. You know me. I'm not the hockey guy. I that's preface right. every comment I make on hockey. I have to. It's almost like a disclaimer. But all I read before this de- uh, the Devils and Rangers series was, you know, it's not going to be a walk in the park for the Rangers. It's not going to be a walk in the park. I don't know, Don. I don't know much about hockey, but it looks like a walk in the park so far. Well, we all get caught up in the regular season, right? We do in the NBA, too. Remember a few years ago, I guess it was 2013, when the Knicks, the last time the Knicks got out of the first round. And, oh, we could beat the Heat. We beat them three out of four times. Even this year, didn't they beat the Celtics a couple of times? Oh, mm-hmm. we, could, we could beat sure. the Celtics. No, it's the regular season. and. You know, the regular season is not the postseason, and this was a surprising Devil team that shocked everybody. We thought they'd be better, but not a playoff team. They get 112 points, beat the Rangers three out of four times, and the only loss the Devils had was in overtime, so they got points in all four. And I got caught up in it too, especially the last meeting when the Devils really um, played a good, sound defensive hockey game and ended up beating the Rangers uh, at the Rock the last time they saw each other. And you say, all right, well, this is going to be no you know, walk in the park, as you put it. But then you realize that the Rangers went to game six of the conference final last year, and the Devils had 399 games of postseason experience, 138 of them from one guy, Andre Palat, and that's what you've seen. A team that realized their style during the regular season might work, but it's not working in the postseason, and the Rangers know how to play. They, they've taken the offense away from the Devils. They've taken the room for, for Hughes and Heeshear and Mercer to take advantage offensively. And we have saw, also saw a power play for the Rangers emerge into almost like an unstoppable machine. And you combined all that together, and you can take your regular season and stick it. You know, the postseason's just a different animal, and that's what we've seen through the first couple of games. And it seems like, and again, I don't know hockey, but I know Ranger playoff runs have been um... – turned away lots of times because and Ranger fans complained the power play disappeared, the power play disappeared. Is it just they're more talented this time? Why has the power play been so good in this series? Well, it's been good because, well, maybe part of it's because, you know, the Devils maybe have helped a little bit. But this is this has been a, a, a power play all year that if you got points for just spending time in the zone, it'd be one of the greatest power plays ever. And, and then it just comes down to whether you can finish or not. And sometimes they'd get a little too fancy. Uh, I, I haven't done it yet during play-by-play, but uh, when they get into this behind-the-back passes, between-the-legs passes, trying to trying to look like they're better than everybody else, I, I want to start playing like Sweet Georgia Brown. And and, and Dave will say it too. they got to stop on the Harlem Globetrotters hockey and just, just play hockey and just do what they do best, and that's parking Kreider in front of the net and have him deflecting it in. I mean, they've got four power play goals, and Kreider's got all four. So – They'll spend time in the zone, but instead of being fancy and blasts from um, from uh, Zabanajad or these you know tremendous seam passes through three bodies and oh my God, Sports Center highlight stuff, just get down to the basics. Possess the puck, throw it in front, have it deflect off a big body like Chris Kreider who scored you know 52 goals last year, half of them that way, and just get down to the basics. And that's what's working for this team right now. Of course, we're talking with Don LaGreca, talking about the Rangers who are uh, coming up game three tonight against the Devils. Our coverage gets underway 7 o'clock. 
Um, you talk about the defense. Why has the the Ranger defense been so stifling in the series, and 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 the penalty kill as well? You know, there's times where the Devils are not even getting off a shot on the penalty kill. Well, because you make sacrifices that maybe you're not necessarily going to make in the regular season. Guys diving, blocking shots, and they've done a great job that way. And and also overall defensively, Gordon is that the forwards are playing a little D. They're they're hanging back. The Rangers have not had to create offense by pinching or doing anything that's going to come at the expense of the defense. And, and that's what I think has been the big difference for them. Outside of the lingering goal where he pinched and scored to make it 3-0 in game one, they've all been very defensive, uh, responsibly defensively. And that's a commitment to knowing what it takes to win in the postseason. If you remember last year, Gordon, this was an inexperienced team. And they were down 3-1 to Pittsburgh and they got a couple of breaks, and Crosby got hurt. And then as the playoffs went on, they got more and more experienced and their talent shown, and they were able to make the run that they did. And and uh, it's kind of a similar thing here. That's carried over to where they know how to play postseason hockey. The Devils are, are still kind trying to learn how to do that. And that's why this game is so important tonight because the longer the series lasts, the, the more of an opportunity for the Devils to kind of get educated on what it takes here. So – I'm not saying if the Rangers lose tonight that the Devils are going to turn around and win the series, but it could kind of turn things around just a bit. So I would uh, I would think it would be really important to get this game, try to make it a short series, because the Rangers have played such long series in recent years, and it comes at the expense at the end of the postseason run. They looked exhausted last year against Tampa by the time they got there. So it would be really a good idea to just uh, finish the Devils off, take a 3 nothing series lead, and see if they can't finish this thing off at home on Monday. Uh, and look, last year they were up 2-0 on Tampa, right? Yeah, 2-0. Is there any, obviously the, the, the experience level of the teams they're playing, Tampa last year, the Devils this year, completely different. Are there any similar, is there anything for a Ranger fan to be concerned about going into tonight? No, because we had Henrik Lundqvist on, I, I guess it was last Thursday uh, or, or Wednesday, and, and he, because and we asked about the experience, and he said, this is where experience comes in is that there's, there's momentum in series that swings back and forth. And an experienced team's not going to get caught up in that. And what you saw last year from Tampa, Gordon, they were down 2 nothing in a series, down 2 nothing in game three, and not an ounce of panic. They just went about their business, eventually came back, won that game, and then didn't lose another game. So are the Devils capable of not panicking? Well, there's already rumors that Smid may be the starting goaltender. Um, so th- that's a panic move to me, that you're changing goaltenders. So to me, I, n- no, the, the Tampa was a team that had won back-to-back cups, you know, sitting there in the conference final, eventually won that series and went to three straight Stanley Cup finals by the time it was all said and done. This is a different devil team. So never say never, but, you know, the Rangers are now that mature team that's not going to get caught up, get overly excited on how they've got a 2 nothing series lead. How will the Devils handle not having any momentum? And uh, we'll, we'll find out tonight. The window for this Rangers group, it seems like as an outsider that they really loaded up they loaded up in the offseason. They they loaded up at the trade deadline, and this is a veteran group that is that is built to win right now. Is their window this year or is it extended beyond that? What what's the where is the championship window for this Ranger team? Well, the interesting thing will be this offseason, because you, you didn't have to give up a lot to get Tarasenko and Kane, but they're both free agents, so there's no guarantee those guys are gonna come back. You've got to give money to Kako and Lafreniere and Miller. So, and they and listen, they were basically had only one extra pay, player since the deadline because they're up against the cap. So, there's going to be some interesting decisions Chris Drury is going to have to make during the offseason to make it work. But Lafreniere, Kako, Heedle, 
You've got a young Shesterkin. That blue line uh, is all, um, for the most part, under 30 years old. Truba's the veteran there, and he's not old by any stretch of the imagination. So on the one hand, you got a lot of good young players to tell you the window is still wide open, but in order to win a cup, there's going to be some things they're going to have to work around to try to make sure they can keep everybody and be able to add, if necessary, at the deadline. So I'd say it's about half open, so we'll see what happens during the offseason, what Chris Drury can make work to be able to keep some of these pieces in place. If I told you there was a game six in this series, the Rangers and the Devils, you would be surprised, stunned, shocked, what? Yeah, I would be surprised. I, I really would. They have played so incredibly well in the first two games of this series. So, and, and I know that, you know, oh, what's the road? Because a lot of Ranger fans got it. That was a great atmosphere. There were a ton of Devil fans in there. That, that was a quality road victory. Now you're going to come home. So, I, a sweep is, is, is a lot. I'm not going to go that far. But, like, to, to expect the way the Rangers played these first two, to see the Devils win two in the future up here, would, and that's what it would take to have a game six, yeah, it would surprise me. Uh, let's move over to the Islanders and Hurricane series. It seemed like, in some way, not to the same degree that the the Islanders had to feel, uh, or the Islander fan had to be a little bit depressed with the way those first two games go, especially Game Two, the missed call, all that type of stuff. Did the Islanders save their that series? Is that a, is that now a series now now, or is it just that that was one performance last night, and and you still expect uh, the Carolina to to eventually win that? Oh no, I picked the Islanders in seven, so I still feel they're very much alive. Uh, and part of the reason for that is what happened last year with Carolina. They had a two nothing series lead on the Rangers, end up losing the series in seven because Carolina couldn't win a road game. So that might be in their head a bit how they just can't win on the road. They didn't last year in their run to the second round. And now they lose another road game in game three when they had a chance to really put the Islanders away. And obviously it got out of hand at the end with the 5-1 win, but you know all these are one-goal games. Game one was 2-1, game two was 4-3. So the Islanders have been able to hang. They didn't get any breaks in game two, a missed call in overtime that should have given them a power play. They didn't get a power play opportunity in game two and still came very close to winning that game. So... Uh, I, I still like the Islanders in this series, especially with some of the injuries that Carolina has. No Svechnikov. Uh, Tara Vinen's going to be out for the rest of the series. So no, I, I really like the Islanders situation a lot. And they're still going to have to go out there and win a road game. Uh, but the Rangers did it in Game 7 last year. So I, I, I think the Islanders can do the same thing. Uh, the Bruins, we, we were talking on the with Larry and uh, on the night show, uh, and somebody called up and said, if I gave you the Bruins or the field, who are you taking? And I said, I take the field because it never seems like, you know, the team that has this amazing – and look, I get it, the Bruins, it was a different level of great regular season. Yeah. But it never seems like that translates to the postseason. Are the Bruins going to be the, the first team in, what is it, a decade or so to win the President's Trophy and, and still cash it in? It feels like it. I mean, last night was a huge statement. I mean, they, they, they bring back Allmark after he had an awful game, too. Uh, you're playing without Bergeron, and it was a great opportunity for Florida to take a 2-1 series lead and really hand the Bruins their literally their first adversity of the regular season. Gordon, they only lost back-to-back games once all year, Boston. I, it, it's incredible. And they get, they get killed at home. They, they never lose at home. And what happens? They end up winning game three because they're that good. And they're going to get Bergeron back uh, at some point in this series. And uh, and so, listen, can they be beat? Listen, the history, you, you said it. And the, the history, we saw Tampa had the record before Boston. They got swept in the first round by Columbus. But 
you know, they're going to have to face some adversity here, you know, lose a player, Bergeron not coming back, a severe injury. They're just loaded. But, you know, you're going to pick the field because there's still other good teams too out there. But this Boston team, this it hit a little different. Three more wins than anybody in the history of the sport, three more points than anybody in the history of the sport. It's going to be really difficult to beat this team, but I'm sorry. The playoff history shows that it happens all the time, so picking the field seems to be the way to go. Uh, I know it's very early on in the playoffs, and the, the playoffs are like a separate season to themselves, but with what you have seen so far, if I told you the Bruins don't win this year. I, I'm telling you now the Bruins don't win. Are the Rangers the next team? Or is there a team out west that you would say? No, I, I, no, I, I really, I was telling people that when you looked at where the Rangers, the path for the Rangers, Devils in the first round, likely Carolina, just judging on the favorites in the second round, Boston possibly in the third round, that you could make the case the easiest round might be the final because I think the East was way better than the West. Now Colorado's the defending Stanley Cup champions. You know Dallas had a very good regular season. Vegas was the number one seed. But all those teams have holes that I think are greater than anybody in the East. So if you tell me Boston is gone, yeah, to me, I think the Rangers would be the next best bet to win the Stanley Cup. I I really do. I I had Edmonton going to the Stanley Cup final. They're down 2-1, lost a couple of games in overtime. They've blown two two goal leads twice already in this series. Uh, Dallas has not been able to put away Minnesota at all. So uh, Colorado lost the first game to Seattle. They, they lost home ice advantage in the very first game. So these playoffs are just wacky. But, yeah, I think based on what happened last year, I would have – I would put you – now maybe people would argue Toronto or Tampa, but I would put the Rangers at number two and number one if Boston were to exit the playoffs early. All right, of course, we're talking with Don LaGreca. One last question for Don as he starts to get ready for the uh, pregame 7 o'clock tonight here on 98.7 FM. We've talked hockey. I have talked hockey for roughly about ten minutes. Did it? Did it sound like I knew what I talked? What, like yeah, what I don't I was know saying. why you concede that you don't know it. <laughs> I know very little. But, and and but, the thing is, is when you don't know everything, the ho- you see, you know everything. So of course, the hockey fan is not going to attack you if you don't know everything with the hockey fan. It's weird because the hockey fan will always be like, "Well, why don't you talk about your my sport?" And then if you don't know as much as they do, ah, see, this guy's a fraud. He doesn't know what he's talking about. No, I just I'll listen. Do uh, you think I know everything about everything on the K yes. show? Yes, you do. You are like you are like uh, hockey Buddha. You know, you no. know, you you well, see and know all. Well, I'm just talking about the other sports. I mean, you know, there's always going to be a sport that's going to lag oh, behind. Oh, but you but you, but, you preface it right, like when you talk Knicks or you talk NBA. You know, you make it clear that you're not the biggest NBA fan in the world. Yeah, but you're but fair. That, but I don't tap out. No, of course not. No, so you got you got to stay in and you you, you go through it. And, and listen, the ratings. Uh, we, I don't know if you heard it on Friday. I was even shocked about it. You know that the the Rangers Devils won the night on Tuesday when everybody was playing against each other by a lot, like five hundred and thirty three thousand in New York to like three hundred and eighty nine for the Knicks and Cavs. Because listen, this Ranger fan base, you, you throw in another local team, that's probably why it happened. But uh, when you get to the playoffs, there's there's a lot of people that care. So just give them a chance to talk about it. Don't don't throw in the towel. You know, oh, no, some I stuff. don't throw. Thirty I let, years I let I've let known people you. Talk You've about been, what they want. Come but on, how many late hockey like, games did you have to sit there and watch? You you know. Yeah, I know a little bit. I, I preface it by saying I know nothing. This way, you know, it's like if you if you set the bar low enough, anything, it's like, oh my god, this guy knew, you know, he knew about Tarasenko or he knew about, you know, Patrick Kane, his best game as a Ranger, so, you know, something along those lines. 
But you know what I I found, Gordon, because we've been doing this a long time, that when we started out, it was the expert was on the air, and then the listener was the one that wanted to get educated by listening to sports radio or talking to the host. Mm -hmm. Things have changed now. The listener believes they know more than you anyway. Right. So in a lot of cases not, they do. Yeah. They're not looking to be they're not looking to be educated. They're looking to be entertained. It, it went from like a classroom to now it's just basically like a vaudeville act. So right. you know, just keep doing what you're doing, man. It's awesome. I love listening to you. Love you and Larry whenever I'm driving back from a Ranger game. You guys are great. Everybody loves Larry. It's hard not to love Larry. Of course. Why would you not love it's like if if you don't love Larry, it really says something right. about you. It's like at the I love lamp level. You know exactly. <laughs> it just exactly. it's it's just automatic, and you're great too. And uh, listen, Lemayu just uh, gave you a little thrill, right? Yeah, look, we got we got a Yankee win. They they scored a couple of runs. Great product I, they're putting together there in the Bronx for two hundred and seventy nine million dollars. You know, Frankie listen, Cardero, I'm, and you know, I'm Met Yo Yo fan, uh, and so no no Yankee fan cares what I have to say. You know, and, and that's a shame because I watch him and know him, but because I'm a Met fan, I'm coming right. from a place of hate. I, look, I got it from the, the other side. Nobody wants this, to hear any of my takes on the Mets. Trust this, me. That, this doesn't feel great. No. It's good. It's very good, and you'll make the playoffs. you got three wild card teams. They're not not making the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. But, but honestly, it does, there's – and, you know, I'm I on the fence think with Cashman. I, is, I love what you said the other day about Cashman. What did I say? Just about, listen, I, there's a lot that you can complain about. Like, on our show, it's like anytime somebody calls and complains about Cashman, it's like, what are you talking about? You go to the playoffs every year. Come on. But that's but not the goal. I, I've always been the one that said, well, we can analyze it a little more. Yeah. I mean, I think his job could be on the line. I got in a lot of trouble. I, 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 I would not have had a problem if he was fired after last year. Because you're the one that said I'm, I'm about championships, right. not championship. You're away. You've, Absolutely, you've, that was embarrassing built, last year. You built up this that, that, that it's the only team I think in the history of sports that it's a championship or nothing in a sport now that's not like it was before. I mean, you can't judge this. The, oh, four championships in five years—it was a different sport. You know, but now even though there's no cap with the revenue sharing, you're seeing the money that the Padres are spending. That it's hard to win now. So, so how dare you talk about that? You know, it's all about championships. Well, you know, then uh, how many divisions have they even won over the last decade? Not, I think they've won two in the last decade. Yeah, last you year know. was the exception to the rule, right? It's not like they're winning. You know, they're not the Dodgers winning the West every single year and then you know, oh, it's a crapshoot in the playoffs. No, <laughs> I mean, they, they they rarely even win the division. And this year's team, look, there's a lot of injuries, but again, if that's if that's the case, I actually think that Aaron Boone is doing. A very good job, given the roster that he is dealing with and the injuries that he's dealing with, oh. that if you have complaints about the Yankees this year, it's not on Aaron Boone. It's far more on Brian Cash. But, but, Gordon, you talk about the injuries. Whose fault's that? Exactly. I mean, some of, the, some of the guys they went on and acquired were injury-prone. <laughs> Injured players, Dome right. was hurt. Right. Um, the, 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 the pitcher from the A's that uh, Montas, who basically has never pitched, was he before, was hurt when hurt they now, traded was for hurt him. Later, yeah. You knew at the his age and with his calf history that Donaldson was going to be uh, dicey at best with his injuries, you know. And, and that, so I'm sorry, you can't cry injuries when you go out and acquire guys that are hurt when you trade for them. Trust me, in a couple of weeks, if this keeps up, Cashman will be floating out there. Ill, you know, injuries are like the playoffs; they're a crapshoot. Who's to know? Who's to know who's going to get hurt? But I'll tell you this: if they were all healthy, they'd be taking bows for it. They would certainly be taking bows. Well, see, we did what a great job. We're keeping everybody healthy. Don, we got to run, man, but thanks a lot. Enjoy it tonight. I'll be uh, looking forward to it. All right, man. Take care. Good to talk to you.
That is Don LaGreca. Of course, will be taking care of the pre- and post-game Rangers tonight. Game three right here, 7 o'clock. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, more of your phone calls on the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM.